0: Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good. Uh, Thank you for joining us in person. It's really meaningful. We know things are difficult. Uh, Joining and gathering together has been tough. And so also thank you for those who are joining us online. Uh, My name is Dustin Payne, and uh, I am the church planner for Go Church PDX, uh, just nine miles down the street in our Portland neighborhoods. Uh, We just moved here. I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about me um, on on the fact and practical side. I'm actually going to spend a lot of our time this morning talking about uh, the emotional journey of planting this church and coming this way and uh, through the story of Jonah. So if you're going to follow along in scripture, we're going to be in Jonah Uh, And I'm very ambitious today. We're going to cover the whole first chapter. So you're going to be able to leave and you're like, wow, I know the whole first chapter of Jonah. Um, And you'll be surprised that it's not just about the fish. So there's stuff before it and after it. So we're really excited about that. So it's an honor to be here with you this morning. Mark had asked me to uh, preach about, um, you know, really what God's doing in my life and our journey here And I just really couldn't think of a better way to share that than through the Word of God and Scripture this morning. So, um, one of the things I wanted to kind of stretch out for you this way is uh, is, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I wanted to ask you a simple question Uh, What is the vision that God has given you in your life? What is the vision that God's given you as an individual in your life? And and I don't know where you're from, and I don't know what your journey's been here at Go Church. If you've just been attending, or maybe you belong to uh, a Go group, or men's breakfast, or women's breakfast, uh, and maybe you're just kind of convinced that there's a vision that God has for this church, Um, but I wanted to kind of stretch that out a little bit, because the church is made of people, individuals, that God has a vision for you, and if you read the Bible, I think it's really clear that God calls people individuals. Like you open up the book and you find that God does miraculous things for individuals. But I think sometimes when we join the church, it's like somebody else's story. You come and you hear somebody else's story. And we don't often articulate what God has done for me. We sit in the seat and we're not really aware or reflect on how we got here. And so, that's the question that I want you to think about as we go through. What is the vision that Jesus Christ has given me for my life? And so, the big idea, I don't like to hide things in sermons. Mark does three points. I do one point three times. So, it's going to be really simple. If you write this down and you don't get anything else, you'll you have gotten it. Uh, the further you follow Jesus, the deeper you experience His presence. That the further you follow Jesus, the deeper you experience his presence. Now, what I'm trying to tell you here is that as you follow this vision God's given you in your life, you're going to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so, let's just hold that thought through this whole sermon here. I want to show you this picture. I don't know if you have seen this. Uh, Michael Packer, uh, he is uh, Cape Cod Fisherman, commercial fisherman. Packard was fishing actually just a few months ago in about 45 feet of water. I see some like, yeah, I've heard this story. Uh, pastors, if and I know we got Randy here. You need to write this down for your sermon illustration for next time. Because when someone gets swallowed in real life by a fish, right, we need to be like marking that down. Say, so see world, it can happen. So he was swimming in 45 feet of water and all of a sudden he gets swallowed by this whale, And he says this, everything just went dark, Uh, and at first he's like, I thought I'd got eaten by a shark. And he said, I'm feeling around in its mouth, and I realize it's just gums, there's no teeth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in a well." And he said, Packard said that the well began to shake its head, like to try to beat him up in in its mouth, right? And, And about 30 to 40 seconds later, spits him back out in the water. One of his commercial fishing buddies saw all of this and went and got him. They took him to the hospital where he got that picture. He, had a, he got a beat up a little bit, but was mostly okay. Uh, one of the reporters in the hospital asked him, what were you thinking when you were in this shark? And this is what he said. He said, I was thinking that I was sure thankful it wasn't a shark that swallowed me. <laughs> and so if you haven't already gotten out of this that we're going to Jonah just go ahead and flip it up. We're in Jonah chapter one. So I'm going to read this. We're going to go through it. This is the first two verses. uh, Jonah one, one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise, like get up and go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it for their evil is so bad. It's come up before me. Right? So Jonah like has the, the word of God, the Logos, like Jesus before Jesus appears to him. This is kind of this idea, the word came to him, had presence with him, and it propels him to take this message to the worst place on the earth, Portland, Oregon. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, Nineveh. Uh, Mark's old, but I'm real. And the, message is call, and the message for the city is to call, call out against it, so you're going to go to the worst place in the world, and I've got a message that you're going to have to tell them they're all wrong. And, and you, you know this in this culture. Good luck. Those are fun conversations. And so what does he do? Being a faithful prophet of God, he gets up, he goes to the city, he preaches the word, they all repent and change. In the story? No, of course not. If you've read the Bible, you know that's never the story. And so this is what it says in verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose, he did, he rose up, but he rose to flee, to Tarshish, to get away from what? Scripture says to get away from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah isn't just running away from going to a bad city. He's running away from his calling where the presence of the Lord is. Because again, the further you follow Jesus, the deeper you experience intimacy in his presence. And so, if you want this deep intimacy with Jesus, if you want to experience the next level of your faith, it's going to require further following so in verse 4 it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was this mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. And then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the ship, and had lain down and was fast asleep. So this is like really fascinating. Uh, when you aren't living and listening to the voice of God in your life, When you're sinning, it doesn't just affect you, it affects all the people around you, right? Jonah is deliberately disobeying the voice of God in his life, the vision that God has for him. And it is literally putting this whole ship at ruin, everyone on the ship, scared for their life. And I think that we, we sometimes were so individualistic in the West that we think that my sin is mine. It's like private and it only affects me. And it's like my burden to bear. And that's just not true. Sin has a communal aspect. When you are off the rails, this community hurts. So verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 6, it says, So the captain uh, came up and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Like everyone's throwing their stuff out, everyone's praying to their little G-gods, and he's like, wake up! He says, what do you mean you sleeper? He says, arise, get up, and call out to your God, and maybe, maybe he will give a thought to us, he'll think about us, uh, so that we won't die. And so everyone's like clamoring, praying to their little G-gods, and the only one who actually has the power to stop it is Jonah. Wakes him up. He's like, man, wake up and call on your God. And that's something really interesting about this world. And and maybe you've experienced it in your life. And maybe you've experienced it in your friend's life. But it's in moments of crisis. That's when we're looking for answers. It's when the ship is sinking. Are you finally ready to call out to God? And so in verse 7. says, and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we might know whose account this evil has come upon us. So they throw these lots around and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said, well, hey, tell us on whose account uh, this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Like, where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And then Jonah says to him, well, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. It's like, uh-oh. Wait, he's the guy who made the sea? And we could really use some dry land right now. And the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, What is it that you've done? <laughs> For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Why? Because he told them. I mean, Jonah is partaking and following in his forefather Adam. right? He's hiding from the presence of God in the garden. Jonah wants to wield his own destiny. Right, He wants to be the Lord of his own life. And there's really only one difference between Jonah and our culture. Jonah knows who he's running away from. Right? And so they said to him, what are we going to do with you? That the sea might quiet down for us. For the sea was growing more temptuous. And he said to them, Well, just pick me up and hurl me into the sea. That'll solve your problem. And then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. They didn't really, that wasn't like their first choice. Like the guy who's causing all these problems, like lest we anger this God further, throw him into the sea. So it says that they, <laughs> they rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't, for the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. It was like the harder they tried to get back, uh, the further they get pulled out. This is just like how we have our relationship with God. The, the harder we fight, it just sometimes, sometimes seems the more the more and more we get pushed back. And so therefore, they called out on the Lord. They said, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it's pleased you. And so they picked him up, and they hurled him to the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. This is the key verse, I think, in the whole book of Jonah. Jonah. It's the men of the ship are crying for mercy and grace on their lives in order to please God's justice. So they give him Jonah. And a couple hundred years from this moment, it'll be Christ Jesus who cries for the mercy and grace of God for these same people, for Ridgefield, for Portland, for the whole world. But instead of offering Jonah... He's going to offer himself right? to appease not what Jonah's done, but what we've all done. Right? So, that you and my, so that you and I might be saved from the storms of sin that we find ourselves in. right? That would take each and every one of us and drown us in chaos and death. Because the gospel is that good. Uh, you know, here in in church culture, sometimes we don't have a clear idea of what the gospel is. Uh, sometimes the religious think that if I have to work and do to earn favor with God, and that's when God shows me grace. And the culture thinks wrongly as well. If they believe in God, they think a similar pathway, but they think in their own ways that if I'm a good person, If if I just do what the culture says is right, if there is uh, some sort of destination beyond life, I'll go there. But the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is that you have done nothing, that you actually deserve to be thrown into the sea for what you've done. And it can't be fought or earned, but that Jesus Christ chooses to go in the sea for you. His blood a ransom for many. That he would calm the raging storm in you. That you would make him your king. That you would like align your life and ask the question, what is the vision God has for me? Where's God calling me? How is he moving me? Because the further you follow Jesus, the deeper you experience his presence. Jonah knows if I get away from this calling, I can get away from God, sort of. If I can just get away from what God's asking me to do, there, I'll be able to do what I want, live how I like. And I don't know like where you are, I don't know your doubts, I don't know your pain, but I do know that each and every one of us in this room is called to go a little deeper with Jesus. Whether whether you're like on the fence of whether God is your Lord. That Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Maybe you're not there. But that's your next step, right? That's how you can go a little deeper. And maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. Maybe you've gotten a little blind about what he wants for you. The vision he has for your life. Maybe you've just gone robotic, automaton. Maybe the culture... Maybe Nineveh has made you so sour that you wonder if God's even working. I think that one of the things that we have to change in our, in our perceptions of church is that um, there are times in our lives where we go to God and we ask him to answer our prayers, but there's some times where you're an answer to someone else's prayer. You know, all of us in this room, and your pastor included, we're only at the beginning Of an eternity of knowing Jesus. We're in the shallow water right now. There is so much to this King. There is so much of my life yet to surrender to Him, to line, to have the mind of Jesus Christ, to know and be known. And we're just kind of playing in the kiddie pool, right? We're just at the beginning of the long stretch of eternity of knowing our King and our Creator. Verse 16 says, well, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So they throw him in the water. Immediately, they're like, well, Lord, let's make a commitment. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. They made vows, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This is the end of the chapter, and this is, I think, where we almost always get it wrong. The first church I planted was very much in this sort of way. God had asked me to do something. Made it clear as day, Dustin, you need to plant this church in Houston. I tried to run away. And when you're in the church world, where do you run away to? You run to other churches. Right? You go away, and you search, and you seek, and you're like, Lord, you know, give me a pastor who will tell me what I want to hear. I went to five different pastors. I'm like, Lord's ask me to plant this church. I just need you to tell me that's me, and I'm wrong. I found the pastors, the meanest pastors I could. And the meanest ones said, I'm not going to tell you that. I ran from the power and presence of the Lord. I doubted that he could do what he wanted to do through me. This is Jonah's doubt. You're going you're gonna to do something in Nineveh through me? You're going to do something in Ridgefield through me. You're going to do something in Portland through me or Vancouver through me. It's a faith issue. I was running from the vision God had for me in my life. And yet every time I ran, there was a well. But see, throughout my whole experience, I've told people that the first church I planted by fish, not by boat... Right In the journey of following Jesus' will and vision for me, I always seem to go the hard way. Um, and it wasn't until I was reading this, and I had kind of clarity after reading through Jonah, after reading Michael Packard's story, that, um, man, thank God it wasn't a shark. Right? And maybe you're in the fish following Jesus. Maybe you've been there a long time. Michael Packard, 30 to 40 seconds. Jonah, three days. Maybe you're like, this is God's love, and we're so focused on the darkness and being swallowed, we don't fill around and say, hey, there's no teeth in here. Because the miracle of the fish is that it took him to dry land where the boat couldn't go. The miracle of the fish is that when you're tossed into a raging sea with storms, you're going to drown, unless you're on a boat or in a fish. Like, the fish is God's amazing grace. Jesus says that he came by the sign of Jonah, and the people didn't understand. (laughs) So after living inside of this fish for years, I finally got spit out on the dry land. And I was like, okay, God, I'll go. Because the amazing thing about the gospel is that God saves you, and then he's going to use you to save Ridgefield. God saves Jonah, and he uses Jonah to save Nineveh, the worst place in their world. That is miraculous. That requires faith, that God would have a vision for my life. And I think you know people, they've been in the fish a long time, they hate it. They're like, man, God swallowed me. I'm not going back to church. So, what do we have to do, right? We have to stop running. We have to change direction. We have to repent. We have to go back to the vision God's called us to. We have to go to Nineveh. There's going to be worse places that God will ask you to go. But. When you follow Jesus, the further you go with him, the deeper you experience his presence. That's what Jonah's trying to get away from. That's what you have those friends that have those church stories. They'll tell you, man, this church hurt me. These people hurt me. It's like, man, you're running away from the presence of the Lord. And I'm telling you guys, I've been in the fish. You know, next time, I'm going to go by boat. And so my encouragement for you is that God would have a vision for your life. Because the church, we can talk about the church that God, we might believe that God has a vision for this church. Pastor Mark gets up here and shares it probably every week. And part of that vision is to plant churches in Nineveh. Part of that vision is for God to use you to save a city, a country, and a nation for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, for his glory and our good, right? And we are all a part of that. I've been away from you for months. Like I visit like once a quarter, maybe, up until recently. We're in this together. It, it, it is... Together, the church makes up the body of Jesus. It is together that God calls individuals to do his work. Uh, and, And so you can't let the big system do the work for you. God wants to move you to save the city. God has a vision for you, a calling. And you might think, well, the Lord doesn't love me like that. You might think, well, my place is in the seat. And the answer is actually no. That's my, that might be where you start, but the further you fall, in, the deeper you go. That intimacy and that presence, the more you align your life with his lordship and his will and his way, the more you experience the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, because then you realize, it's like I realized, is that man, if he can do it through me, he can do it through anybody. That he could use me, and I tell you, man, I'm no one special. That's what I, I spent three, four years just preaching about how I'm not anyone special. I just serve someone who is. And so my heart is for you as we form as a church here in Ridgefield is to seek the vision God has for your life, to believe that he could use you, even you, to save this city. That, he, that, that I might, you know, I came in from outside to go to Portland, but God's going to use inside guys. We got battleground, we're in Vancouver and Woodland, but man, we got... Battleground, Salmon Creek, uh, uh, Troutdale. I mean, we're just talking locally. Camus, ca- Camas, Scapoose. <laughs> and so, in my life, we're going to go plant a church in Portland, and we want a faithful body of believers who will seek after the calling Lord Jesus has on their life, that they would go deeper in intimacy. And so, my my prayer for you is, is that you find that deep intimacy with Jesus, that you align your life to the will and vision he has for you, uh, that you don't go by fish, but the good news is, is you probably already have, and that you're getting spit out on dry land, and you're about to experience the salvation of a city for an amazing turning point in the country. It, it, it's like this, uh, if, you've, if you've been to the, the, the beach, I'm sure you have, right? It's like the further the tide pulls back, the harder the wave comes in. and At this point in our our nation's history, I feel like that tide's pulled way back and the Spirit of God's about to land a huge wave. And it's going to start with his church, his holy church, Jesus Christ, right here in this room. And it's going to involve you and it's going to involve me and it's going to involve each one of us as we align our lives to the vision God has for it. As we seek deeper intimacy with our Creator and know Him and are known by Him, as we do things we don't want to do, but things that will have just eternal impact, and give God glory. And so, Ben, you can come up, and so I'm just going to you'd pray with me. And so wherever you are in this journey, again, whether it is your first time here whether you're part of a go group or a men's breakfast or a women's group, my heart for you is that you would go deeper, that you would know Jesus more. Discipleship has an end, and that is when we have the mind and heart of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if I'm there. I don't know if any of you are there, but I feel like not yet. So we still have more work to do. So my prayer, just join me in prayer. I'm going to just ask the Lord of this. King Jesus, uh, we love you and we know that you love us. Lord, I know that, that we are here in this room that we have more of you to know. Lord, I just ask that uh, if there are people here who don't know you, that they take that first step and make that commitment to call you their king. And for those of us who've been doing that, that you would give us vision for our lives that you would take, take us further in that plan, that we would go deeper in intimacy with you. Lord, for some of us, that's going to require us to go. Lord, will you give us courage? For others of us, it's going to require us to stay. Will you give us courage? Jesus Christ, you're King, and we, in, we, we invite you into, into the space and in our hearts. That your name would be magnified, that your kingdom would come, and that this body, would, through this body, salvation would come to Ridgefield. Praise and thank you, and we work in Jesus' name, and we labor in his name, and we pray in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.